yeah it's very good we were i think the, the worst part about that was kind of like the not knowing so crossfit kept saying like they they seem quite confident that they were going to get it but at the same time it's like it's on your risk we can't promise it so we were like what are we supposed to do and it gets to a point where since you have to stay there for two weeks you know you have to leave uh, and we then set that day to be on Thursday. So we were like, if we don't know about Thursday, we're going to book it and we're going to leave on the Sunday. Uh, and then basically the day we said, like, like, this is our kind of dead. This is where if we don't know anything, we have to organize stuff. We actually got it on that day. So quite lucky in that sense. But I think that was the, the main kind of um, frustrating thing that it let, let us... Um, Everything now has been planned so last minute because we didn't know uh, kind of what we were going to end up doing. In partnership with The Morning Chalk Up and part of The Morning Chalk Up podcast network, this is the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. My name is Scott Schweitzer. I am your host and the Clydesdale. My friends are Amy Radowski, Charlie Odie, and Kat Shear. We are here to bring you the best interviews with the biggest personalities in the fitness world and CrossFit from all over the world. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and write a review. It's such a big help to our podcast. And with that, we're on to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. RX Mark Your Jump Ropes, the best jump ropes in the business our title sponsor and such great support from them. You can get your RX Smart Gear jump ropes by going to rxsmartgear.com. At checkout, use Clydesdale 15, all caps, and you can get 15% off your order. Uh, you can buy jump ropes of any color, shape, size, uh, the handles, you can make those whatever you want. You can get the cable at different weights um, and different lengths depending on your height. So check it out at rxsmartgear.com. Use Clydesdale 15 at checkout and you'll get 15% off your order. That does exclude new additions, new arrivals and special editions, but check that out. Uh, it's a great deal. In addition to that, they're also supporting our hashtag road to a thousand. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast, and you have a public profile, every time we hit the century mark with subscribers, we're giving away a brand new RX Mercury jump rope. And Dave Newman, the owner of the company, has promised to throw in a couple extras uh, for that winner. So make sure you go over, subscribe, and uh, you have a public profile, and you may be our next winner. They are an amazing coffee. It is delicious, has different little notes of chocolate and things like that. Um, and it's really clean and crisp uh, when you drink it in the morning. Uh, but they have a light roast. Uh, they also have a medium roast, as you can see there. Um, we are so excited about the sponsor sponsorship. Uh, if you use Clydesdale 20, all caps, Clydesdale 20, you can get 20% off your order. Just go to upbeforeyou.com and uh, order your coffee. It's delicious. You'll love it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. My name is Scott Schweitzer. I'm your host. I'm the Clydesdale. We love to do fitness, and these are my friends. And today we have a special friend, Jacqueline Dostrom. How are you doing, Jacqueline? Uh, I'm good, thank you. And thank you for having me. All right. So um, where I got to know you a little bit is, um, as I was watching Sanctionals a couple of years ago, you were getting you're getting pretty well known in the sanctional circuit. But as I researched you, you actually were um, getting better and better from 16 through 18 through the regional process yeah. and just missed the games in 17 and 18. That's right. That's right. Uh, 17 was more of um, uh, a bit of a surprise um, that I did so well. So that was a very fun year. And then 18 was, was probably the year that I really wanted to make it, but didn't, didn't really make it through. Um, so 18 was like, no, 17 was, uh, you know, you were quite, I was quite happy with almost making it. And then 18, it was a bit more of like a disappointment. It's how it is, isn't it? When you're kind of so close and you get to taste it and then, uh, but yeah. And then eventually you made the games in 2019 and you've That's made right. it again this year. Yes. And so I want to kind of find out how all this came to be. And so you grew up in Norway? Yeah, that's right. 
Um, yeah. what, what part of Norway? Uh, Fredrikstad. Uh, it's about an hour south of Oslo. Awesome. Uh, so quite, yeah, close to the Swedish border. And then mm -hmm. I read that you grew up doing horse jumping. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I basically grew up in the stable. So my, my parents, they did try to introduce me to like every sport there is. Uh, but I'm quite competitive of nature and team sport just didn't really work for me. I just got frustrated when I had to uh, rely on other people. Now, looking back, I think it probably would have been very good for me to learn how to, to work with other people. Uh, but I just, uh, <laughs> but no, I got into horse riding from very uh, early age. And that's, uh, that's what kind of stuck with me until I was 16. So how does that work? Do you have one horse throughout that whole process or do you have multiple horses? Uh, so I eventually got my own horse, uh, but in the first years, because I'm, I'm not from a very um, like wealthy family and buying a horse and having a horse is quite expensive. Uh, so the first three, three, four years, I was just working in the stables and riding like the school horses. So I didn't have my own horse. I was just helping others basically riding their horses. And then eventually I did get my own uh, pony that I had um, and had him for five years, I think, uh, before I sold him. Mm. And, and what was his name? Gambling. <laughs> so, yeah. So what, what is the, the feeling like when the horse jumps over those, those barricades? Um, is it exhilarating? It's quite exhilarating. It's quite a lot of like adrenaline because uh, you, you, you know you are on a living animal uh, and you can't, you know, I'd like to think that I can control them, but you know, at the end of the day, you don't have fully control because you never know what, when, when they're going to do something else that you, you know, you don't necessarily want them to do. So yeah, it's a lot of adrenaline, it's a, it's a lot of fun. I think it builds my character in, the, in a lot of ways. Uh, like the grit and like never giving up. Uh, Cause you know, I did fall off the horse and I had to get back on the horse. It's quite hard work. So I do think it shaped my character a lot, uh, working in the stables and being around the horses and working with the horses. <laughs> so what kind of athleticism do you need to be a show jumping rider? Ooh, I think, I think it's more of like, kind of like a feeling, you know, you need to have a, a feeling and connection with the horse. Uh, you need a certain, obviously, level of like core strength and leg strength. Uh, but I wouldn't actually necessarily say that you, you need, you know, good conditioning as such. Um, you need to, obviously, you do sit on the horse for like an hour, but uh, I wouldn't say that's the main, main thing, but like, core strength and leg strength uh, I would say it's like the, the main thing um, me personally I think I built a good base from the working that I did in the stables because since I didn't have my own horse in the beginning I actually worked um, for like in the school for, uh, for the school uh, riding school and that meant me basically running next to the horse for like two to three hours a day uh, you know when you're having kids riding the horse and you have to walk next to the horse and run next to the horse so I think it's more that that actually set me up quite well for, you know, being athletic later on. Uh, just all the work that I had to put in next to uh, next to the riding to to get to ride, basically. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, and did you have to clean out the stalls and all of that stuff as yes. well? Yes. So that that built <laughs> some strength work as, as well. well. Yes. <laughs> and you're throwing hay bales and, uh, and all of that. So yeah. Very cool. Jacqueline, Jacqueline, yes. would you say that you're um, an introvert? Um, a bit maybe. I don't think I, I'm not necessarily shy when people start talking to me, but I wouldn't say I have like a big need to um, speak either, if that makes sense. And mm -hmm. I think like they, they do define it a bit if like if you find it tiring being in a group with a lot of people or if it gives you energy. And I'm probably more of the like if I'm in a big group with people I don't know, I do find it tiring. So I'm probably more of the introvert specter than outvert. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. very outgoing. I would say so. <laughs> did you did you find solace in the relationship that you had with your horse? Yes. Uh, there's probably a lot of kind of things going through my childhood that I never spoke about. And I found a lot of comfort just being in the stables, being on my own, being with my horse. Uh, so I do think like my horse probably helped me through a lot of, uh, you know, childhood troubles. And like when you go through when you're an insecure um, teenager, and um, for me, having the horse was very, um, very good for me, I think. I've realized later on when I didn't have the horse anymore. And then also, I think that my dog took on that role after the horse. 
So now that I've been in a pair without any animals, I've realized that actually animals brings me a lot of comfort. So yeah, you're very right there. They, yeah, I can, they played I can a big role. <laughs> yeah, I can recall my own childhood just confiding in my dog, right? It, yeah, those, yeah. those little secrets that you have or just little mm-hmm. insecurities that you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. So I imagine with the horse, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Do you have pets my now? Therapist. So actually now, uh, we since moving to Mallorca, because uh, I, I left Norway, traveled for six months, uh, lived out of my backpack. So I have a, had a dog in Norway. Uh, he's now with my ex-boyfriend. Uh, so now I've moved to Mallorca. Um, so I don't have my own dog here or my, any own animals. But we live on a farm. Uh, and on the farm that I live, the owner has two dogs and lots of cats and chickens. <laughs> And I also have gone back to horse riding again, actually. So two years ago, I started riding once uh, once a week. So I, I do get to spend a lot of time around animals now. So it's, it's very good for me, but I don't have any of the responsibilities of having my own animals at the moment. So it's kind of a bit perfect for the, the athlete life when now, you know, I'm going to be gone for three weeks. Uh, leaving, we leave for the States in two days. Uh, going to be gone for three weeks. So then not having your own animals, uh, that, that, that part of being an athlete makes, uh, makes it a lot easier. So the backpacking backpacking thing is something I did not discover in research. So oh, where no. did you back where did you backpack? Uh, so this is when I met John, which is now uh, he's my coach and my partner, uh, and he was living like the nomad life basically. I think like three four years. Uh, he sold everything, and because he was coaching, he was moving so much around anyways. So he found it a bit frustrating paying rent on his apartment when he spent like one week there every maybe other month. So he just spent all this money renting somewhere and he was never never really there. So I just jumped on his lifestyle for like six months. Uh, it was really fun. So we went first, uh, we did go to the States in 2017. So this was then uh, like the back end of 2017. So we went to the States. And after that, we went to, we went to New Zealand. So we spent two months in New Zealand. We went to Australia for, for three weeks, uh, South Africa for, for four weeks, Indonesia. And then back to Europe. So we were for like five months, basically on the other side of the world for, for me then, uh, if you think like, you know, talking to friends and family. Uh, so then moving to Spain felt like home again, because now it's just, a, you know, a three hour flight home to Norway. Wow, that, that <laughs> seems really awesome. Yeah, what it was really of, cool. Was it like life-changing to just not depend on uh, like a permanent fixture as your home? I think the nicest thing was realizing that actually you don't need that much stuff. Like this, you have so many things like in your home and then just realizing that actually you can live out of your bag. So you don't need that many things. That was quite um, liberating in a way. Uh, so I think that was the, was the main, main thing that kind of like that, that I got out of that, if you can say like that. And then just seeing so many different cultures and stuff. I think you, you do grow a lot as a person when you, when you travel around and meet a lot of new people. Uh, so it's really cool. Uh, if we bring it kind of back to the athletic um, career again, uh, I did then realize that in 2018, when I was so close to making it, but didn't make it, that living that lifestyle of constantly traveling is, I think you can maintain your fit, fitness, but it's hard to improve your fitness when you live that lifestyle. So it was after not making it in 2018, um, I told my partner that, you know, I'd like to have a fixed base. I would still like to travel a bit, but not to the extent that we did before, um, because it's just, I'm not going to make it to where I want to make it as as an athlete, basically. So you talk about John, um, and I saw an interview with you where you said that he is the one person that you want to be at the events when you are there. And so how did you and John meet? Uh, he came to Norway to uh, to run a training camp with me and uh, one other athlete. Uh, so we met through. So I was actually, I was following uh, the program, which is his online programming. So that's how we first met. And then um, it took quite a while before it turned into more than kind of coach athlete. You, you're kind of holding back because it's not necessarily something you uh, you want <laughs> to happen, both from you know his side and my side in in some ways. Like, uh, but yeah. So we met in, in the beginning of 2017. Yeah. And I noticed uh, when you signed up with the program, that is when you made huge strides uh, yeah. in your finishes at regionals. So yeah. what, did, what did they bring that you didn't have before? 
So I think one of the things is uh, working more with, uh, like working closer with the coach. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing that John has kind of taught me is how to move efficient. Uh, so I think just tweaking movements and being more movement efficient, that, that's, um, that's the one thing I would say I've gotten, um, yeah, that he's maybe the best at and that I've gotten a lot better at after him. I, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that um, I'm best in, in necessarily anything, but he's helped me become a very good all-round athlete. So there's, uh, there's very little that would like completely like just, you know, you're out type thing. So that's, he's, he's helped me yeah, turn weaknesses into not so big weaknesses anymore and like a very good all-round athlete, I would say. Mm. Well, what blew me away when I was researching, you're a very fascinating person. You have done so many different things in your life. Um, you studied energy and environmental physics. That's got right. an engineering degree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what, what made you want to go down that route? Uh, the engineering route? Yeah. Uh, you mean? Um, I'm just, just from, from school, I was always very good at maths and, and physics. Uh, I just, that just came very easy for me. So it was just kind of like natural. I found it interesting and it came easy. So I, you know, okay, I should study engineering. Uh, that being said, I think going, I probably wanted, I should have chosen a bit of a different route within engineering because, uh, you know, it sounds very interesting and fancy, uh, but then the reality was it was just very advanced maths and very advanced physics uh, and not, not a lot of like practical stuff. So it was a very like tough study, but it didn't bring me, you know, I thought I was going to be more out and like, you know, try to save the world type thing. <laughs> that wasn't what we were doing. Um, yeah. No, but it's just, it came from, from childhood, like what I was uh, good at at school, basically. Mm. And you stayed an extra year to get your teaching certificate? Yeah. Yes. And taught so math taught, and science? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, I taught for two years uh, at high school. So like 16 to 19 year olds. Um, so maths and physics. Mm. And then it was, uh, that was at the time when I also started doing CrossFit. Uh, so I then stopped, um, met John, stopped teaching, and then, you know, started living more of the athlete life. Do you, do you do any coaching yourself? I've got a few athletes that I have, um, that I do individual coaching for. Um, but I only have now about four because uh, it's quite time dem demanding and it takes a lot of, like, if you want to do a good job, um, it takes time. So for me being a full-time athlete and working on the side, I don't really have time for more than that, but I have, I have a few uh, that I have. One of them actually made it to games as a teen. So that's very cool. Oh, that's awesome. Mm, yeah. So did your experience as a teacher help you as a coach? I would say, uh, I would say yes. Cause you, you know, you just learn how to communicate with people um, and how to kind of meet people at their, um, their level in a way. So yeah, I would definitely say it, it, it would help for that for coaching. Mm. very cool well let's get into your your athlete career a little bit um yeah so 2018 is really where you kind of came on the scene you started winning not necessarily sanctionals or anything but major competitions like torian pro um i can't remember all of them but you started winning you had you won three major competitions that year yeah i think it was um yeah, that was so. It was if you take the stories after 2018 regionals. Um, I was obviously down, not having qualified. I was sick. I had a cold going into that weekend, but um, I let that kind of destroy for me. Um, instead of like, you know, despite the cold, you should still push. I was like, I'm cold. I shouldn't qualify. These other girls are, are healthy and they're better than me. So I kind of, I lost my confidence because of that. So I don't think. You know, it's not the call that should have made it despite the call, but I just kind of lost confidence. Uh, so it was, it was John that said, like, we need to get a lot more competition experience going on because you need to learn how to compete. One thing is being in shape. Another thing is executing when it, when it matters. Uh, so we had a very, very last minute decision then to do the French, uh, French throwdown in 2018. And I would say that's like my first kind of uh, big win. Um, that was, that was quite cool because I was only like three weeks after regionals. I was still in a bit like um, chilled out um, place. And then basically, I think it was on the, on the Monday when the French started on Friday, I got like a last minute invite. So it was very like last minute throw around. I remember I arrived in France at like 12 o'clock at night on the Thursday and I had to get up at five o'clock the day after for the swim event. So like nothing was uh, kind of 
perfect or planned at all. But that was kind of the perfect, that's what we wanted to practice, that like you can, you can perform despite not because of. Um, yeah, so that's when it kind of started. And then I did, like you said, um, the Touring Pro. And it was the European Championships as well, but I wouldn't say that's like a big competition. That was a new competition. Uh, but did those back-to-backs that did the European throwdown or showdown? I'm not unsure now. In France, uh, one weekend, jumped on a plane on the Monday, landed in Australia on the Wednesday because we have a we had a day layover in Taiwan, and then I competed at the Torian Pro on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I had two days to get uh, get used to like the ten hour time difference, <laughs> and competed the weekend before as well. So that was also quite interesting, but uh, I managed to pull it off. <laughs> So what did that do for you when we get to 2019 and the season is all changed? We have now sanctionals, um, multiple ways to qualify for the for the games. Um, and most of the season you did the open, but you don't know if you qualified or not because of all of the video review. Yeah. And and so after that, you actually win two sanctionals. Yeah. <laughs> and come to find out you didn't even need to do that because you would qualify through the open. Yeah. And it's, it's quite funny. So we, we obviously discussed with John, like, what should the, the strategy be going into this year? And both of us were like, um, we, we do not want the Open to take away from the training. We're not going to go all in for the Open because that's too risky of a strategy. It's five weeks and over five weeks, you can lose a lot of fitness if you like, uh, you know, you're just focusing on the Open. So I, was, I obviously went hard on that times that I did, but I didn't. Um, I trained hard and my goal was to hit go for one of the sanctionals and then i think in like week three like all of a sudden i was above the cut line i was like what is going on and then you're kind of realizing that all of a sudden you can make it through through the open um so then the last two weeks we took it a bit more serious uh but ironically that's when i started getting stressed you know you sleep sleep worse and then you know you just start freaking out instead but it's true as you say because i then was above the line uh, but you have to wait for their video review and like, you know, getting the actual confirmation from CrossFit. So we still went to Iceland and I remember I got the email from CrossFit on the Wednesday. So when I basically got to Iceland, but I started competing on the Friday. So never really got to celebrate or let it kind of sink in that you qualify for games because I was already in like, you know, competition mode. Uh, and then one Iceland, which was obviously really cool. Um, yeah, that was a really, really fun fun weekend so were, were you not the fittest in norway did you not no qualify I do that chris, way no i do have christian holt as well oh, <laughs> christian holt, okay yes i was gonna say all right no, we'll so give it she, to her. i think That's yeah cool. so she was fit she was fit in norway obviously and i think she might have been like third or fourth or something in the world in the open and i was but i was still managed to i think i was 22 because they took the, the um the national winners away so then every national winner got to decide so i was like 22nd i think in 2019 in the open but yeah no i did not beat christian in the open <laughs> <laughs> and so you get to you get to iceland you get the confirmation that you're going to the games how much pressure did that take off you and how much did that allow you to enjoy the reykjavik championship i think that's the main thing like like you said i didn't have any pressure of like you have to punch your ticket so I can actually go out in every event and I just, like you said, enjoyed it. I had, I had so much fun competing in Iceland. I think that's one of the few uh, events where everything is just kind of clicked and you feel good. And I was, I was just enjoying competing. Um, so no, like you said, I didn't have any stress of like, you know, you have to make it. Otherwise it's not going to be the games. So I just went out uh, every event wanting to do my best and, and that ended up being very good. But yeah, you, it was, it was quite nice. Up- did you end up taking any chances in those events too, that maybe you would have gone a different strategy had you not known that you were qualified already? I pushed it more. So I didn't stay within like my comfort zone. I, I did dare to push it, uh, but all my chances did pay off. So that was quite fun. I wasn't like, <laughs> but yeah. Right. Cause at that's, that point, because at that point you get to sort of experiment a little bit. Experiment, exactly. Yeah. So it's a perfect opportunity to just kind of go hard, see if you can hang on. Uh, so yeah, that was fun. And, and the rumors are... On. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say you hung on for sure. Yes, <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> and, the, and the rumors are that, that that competition live was epic. It didn't yeah, it translate really... really good to the stream because of the different lighting they used. 
Mm. But everybody said like, if you were there live, it was just epic because they yeah. used like stage lights. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was really cool. They, they did a good job. It was a, a very well organized event. Uh, and yeah, I think for all the spectators as well, I think it was cool. They've, they've made it um, quite small. So it got quite like intimate and the, and the spectators could be quite close. And I think that's something you, when you watch that, you kind of appreciate as well that you're close to the athletes. Awesome. And then, so when did the French throwdown happen? Because you won that as well, didn't you? Yes. Um, I did the, in June. I think mid-June, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I did win French, but this is probably, um, you know, the, the competition that kind of destroyed the rest of the 2019 season and then the whole of the 2020 season, unfortunately, because uh, I did get injured halfway through French. Uh, at that point, I just couldn't convince myself because yeah, I've um, like read a bit about pain science and I've had some tweaks in my back before, blah, blah, blah. So I was just, at that during the competition I just convinced myself and my brain that you know there's nothing wrong with you your back is just being is like sensitized uh, and it's cramping up it's just protecting you but there's nothing actually physically wrong you're just going to finish the competition and after that you're going to have one two weeks off and then you're going to be fine so I um I, I injured myself like halfway through on Saturday but I was like you said I was winning and there was eight grand then for first place which you know was uh, quite tempting when you know you're going to travel to the games and that travel is very expensive so it was very hard to to back off um knowing that you're doing so well and now looking back i'm no clue how i managed to finish in first so i managed to finish but i did um but that did um yeah it took a long time to recover from that injury unfortunately <laughs> yeah i i know that you were hurt during the games and I was yeah. going to ask you when that happened. So apparently that was the French throwdown where it, it all started. Yeah. Yeah. So I got, um, I got a herniated disc and um, like a prolapse and a herniated disc, which I probably have had for, uh, for quite a while, but then something happened during French. So it must've kind of tweaked my back a bit and then it touched the nerve. So I kind of injured, I got it like an ir irritated nerve root. And that went down into my sciatic nerve. So it was basically um, affecting my mechanics in my left leg. So I couldn't do a toe race and I had no power to do like a, you know, like normal, normal leg curl. So my hamstring and my calves basically you know, like halfway stopped working, uh, which it's obviously hard being an athlete if you have like one and a half leg <laughs> that's working. Yeah, uh, have, so, I've been through that myself. So I know yeah. how that feels and it is awful. It's, it was very painful, like, like the first month. Uh, it was a lot of pain, like especially sitting, because uh, then you would get pressure on the nerve as well. So I couldn't sit for a long time, because then I would like my whole, my whole leg would basically go numb and start cramping. So either have to stand or had to lie flat. Uh, but at the time of, uh, of the games, the worst pain had gone away, but I still didn't have any, like my mechanics weren't back. And that I've now learned that when you kind of injure a nerve, that takes a long time to heal. Uh, but it's, it's quite frustrating as an athlete because, you know, we're used to pushing through so much pain. But this was something that it was kind of like a light switch. So you're trying to turn on, but nothing happened. And it was just so out of my control because no matter what I tried to do, it kind of it wouldn't work. Uh, so I think I did well at, 20, at, the, uh, at the games in 2019, consider, considering everything. But then obviously when the, the run came, because it was a running, that was the one thing that... Um, was the hardest because I like running without being able to go on your toes is very hard. And then you add like 50 pounds on your back on top of that. Um, that didn't go very well, unfortunately. Yeah. So that's what it is. But you made it through some pretty like intense events. So the opening event at that games was the legless rope climbs and that heavy squat snatch or overhead. Yeah. yeah squat snatch. And it had a run in it too. And you made it past <laughs> those cuts. Yes, I went, but I was like, I have to say that was dead last, dead last in after the run. <laughs> so my run was very slow, but I um, was okay, like good enough on the, on the legless. And then it was 60 kilo squat snatches, which at that point was the heaviest I had snatched after getting injured. So it was, it was just at like the border of what was, uh, what I could get away with basically. So I didn't finish the workout, but I did good enough to, to make it through to the next cut. I think I was like 30 something or yeah. 
So it never really aggravated more during the games. It just was still recovering from French. Yeah, so I was in a lot of pain after the run, uh, but it was it was like a bit of a pain, and I don't think it, it didn't make things worse as such. But after doing like the, the long run, and I, I would be in pain afterwards, but um, I don't think it affected my recovery time, uh, anything like that. No. So you had worked so hard to get to the games, you know, yeah. and you finally get there and you're not 100%. No. How, how was that emotionally? So I think at that point, I was just so aware of what was kind of going on. So I knew it already when I got there, like, uh, I, I, I kind of expected to just not even make it through the first cut. So it was more like, okay, I want to go there. I want to like, you know, have the experience of like doing the check-in, get my gear and then have fun. Uh, because because of the, the, the system with the cuts, uh, it was probably good for me in some ways that I didn't have to do the whole weekend with my injury. Uh, so it was a safe way to still go to the games without pushing through the whole games. Um, so I was, I was aware of it. But I think what was, um, you know, hard looking back is that, you know, in, in Iceland, for example, I beat three of the girls that ended up being top 10. Uh, and the events in, in general was, I would say, quite good for me if I, was, uh, if I wasn't injured. So I think that, that those kind of things is like just not knowing how you could have placed if you were in the same shape that you were before the injury. Uh, so that, that, that's obviously questions I'm never going to get the answers to. But um, yeah, I, th I think I could have done, uh, you know, I'm not saying I necessarily would have been top 10, but I think I could have pushed and I, could, I think I could have had a good game with the, with the events that were pro programmed that year as well uh, before the cut. So I think that was the thing that kind of like, you know, hurt the most. <laughs> well, then, then you're dealt another blow with, you know, wanting to get back to the games and then COVID hits. Yes. And pretty much shuts down the season. Yep. Um, um, how, how frustrating was that? It was very frustrating. So I did the Norwegian CrossFit Championships and that was kind of in my head. I was kind of like, you're going to do this work. You're going to do this competition to kind of play it out. Because I knew it was... It was soon for me to compete after the injury. I, I had, like, I, I think I had more or less recovered at that time, but I'd only been running for like three weeks, for example. So, like, I hadn't built up the, the running capacity and, and things like that. So, I kind of wanted to, to do that uh, competition to just get some confidence back. And then we actually had everything planned to go to the West, West Coast Classic. Uh, so I think, again, I got a bit of like a lesson that you can never go to a competition thinking that this is just for fun. You're going to get another opportunity because I kind of got that in my face. Uh, not, you know, executing where I should have executed in Norway. And then basically one week after Norway, everything got shut down and I couldn't go to West, uh, West Coast Classic. So, um, again, it was a very good like, <laughs> you know, I, I, you learn a lot in those kind of um scenarios i think and then you know it just sucks because you kind of get your season taken away in a bit like i i personally still think that crossfit could have done like a online qualifier for for the people that um you know didn't have the opportunity to do the to do the open because it's not like we didn't do the open because we didn't want to go to games so, or you know they had set the season up very differently. So you could actually plan to like, okay, I'm, I'm injured. I'm going to go it all in at the back end of the season. So, you know, I, I feel like CrossFit could have put something up and like, you know, the top three or even just the, the winner could go to the games, you know, but at least then you can, you had a shot and you can't say that, you know, like, you know, I could have won, but I didn't have an opportunity to winning. I'm not, I'm not saying I would have done that, but if you, if you, see where I'm getting at. So oh, yeah. it's not just me. You had like Adrian Minvailer as well, for example, who didn't do the open and he was going to go for for a competition at the back end of the season. He didn't get to do that either. So there were a lot of athletes that um, just got it taken away and CrossFit didn't really care about it, basically. It was like, if you didn't do the open, well, that sucks for you. We're going to move on. <laughs> so it was, um, I think it was probably, I was probably a bit depressed at some points during 2020, but I think, yeah, uh, I'm not alone in that either. It was a hard year for, for many. <laughs> so, so the first event at Norwegian was that snow run, run, right? Yes. And how did your back hold up to that? So it did hold up. Uh, it's, so that's, that's one of the good takes, takeaways from it. It did hold up. It was just I didn't have the running capacity at that point. And then also because we were a bit scared, my tactics were just to go 
basically YOLO in the first hill and then tried to hang on because we were like, okay, there's one hill and then it's probably downhill. But I was very wrong. It was a hill and then it was a lot of flat and a lot of running in the sun, uh, snow. So I, I just crashed. So that was a bit of like a strategic mistake as well. But my back did hold up very well in the run, actually. Like I was just, I was just not like in good enough running shape at that point, but I didn't get any pain or anything afterwards. So that was a very good. And that built confidence as well going into what should have been West Coast Classic uh, like four weeks after. So, yeah. And you still did really well in that event. I remember watching that uh, on the stream and you were, you were in contention towards the end for that, that uh, spot at the games. Yeah, I was one one spot out. Yeah, yeah I placed fourth, and I was third. I went, um, that got the ticket because the two first had qualified already. Uh, so I was I was close, but um, close isn't good enough. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Doesn't get anywhere. But it had to be encouraging after coming off the injury. Yeah, uh, of course. Was what I was kind of getting at that you you yeah. started feeling better and you were you were performing mm. better. So then comes 2020 or 2021, you get through yeah. the COVID year and you haven't been in person at a live competition since Norway, correct? No, no, that's right. And no, I'm, li I'm lying now, actually. I did go to Taronka Games, like a small Spanish competition in August last year. Okay. So that was a bit of a lie. Uh, but yeah, I haven't <laughs> but been to ma major, major competitions. Competition. Yes. Um, and so th this year comes and we're, it's another new format that people yeah. have to get used to, which is kind of a, 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 a combining of what we had way back when and what we had the year before. Mm. And you did qualify for the quarters, you qualified for the semis. Did you ever think you were going to get to do the semis in person? No. No. <laughs> no, I remember we had two because we you could put in like your wishes. Where do you want to go? Like German or Lowlands? Um, and I I remember saying that I think I put German as the first bet because I was I'd rather go German because they've already said they were going to do things online because at this point we didn't actually know that CrossFit was going to take control of the of the competition. So I was like, I'm going to go German because they have said already they're going to go online. So chances are they're going to plan to do everything good online. I'm pretty sure Lowlands is not going to happen either. So I was a bit then scared of them being like last minute shit. We can't do it live. We need to change everything to go online. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I, I um, just with everything going on in Europe, I did not think we were going to do live competition. And this year. so are, are you, do you feel like you're a better live competitor or online competitor? Uh, live. I would actually say, um, uh, I, I would, yeah, no, I'd, I'd say I'm better live. I, lo I love the feeling of, you know, seeing your competitors, being able to kind of play a bit. Uh, and also you can game it a bit more. Like, you know, if you are two minutes ahead, you don't need to win by two minutes. You need to win by 10, like just a second is enough. So you know which events you kind of have to, you know, kill yourself or which event you can save yourself a bit. Um, so no, I, I, I like um, live a lot more and I do think I'm better live as well. Uh, that being said, I've worked a lot on being able to like execute online as well. And I think I've proved that this year that I can also do well online. Yeah. So you do the German throwdown. You can't get away from Kristen, Krista Holta <laughs> at all. Um, and you two take one too. So Norway, Norway takes first and second at the German throwdown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how did that feel just to know that Norway kind of dominated that event? It was really cool. It was cool to see we're both so... Uh, and we got we we got one first and second by quite some points as well. Oh, yeah. So it is it's, it's cool to say that we're kind of taking over for Iceland a bit. Let's just see though. But yeah, no, it's fun. I think on uh, after day one, Chris and I we had joint first. She had a first place. I had a first place. She had a third. I had a third. So we were like exactly exactly the same. There weren't even like a tie break that would uh, separate us. And then I remember checking it on um, on Saturday today evening and again we were joint uh, first with the same points again but then something changed uh they changed some scores and something changed around so like on the morning on sunday we weren't joint but we were like uh yeah and she she did send it on that last day so i'm very impressed by her performance on, on the sunday yeah the point spreads were huge uh between you yeah. guys and the rest of the field um 
And third place was an Icelandic athlete. We won't name names or anything like that, but um, <laughs> so you did, you did have a pretty uh, big lead there and that had to feel pretty good. And that also cool. you get to go to the games. Yes. So there's the goal. And how are you feeling health wise this year? I'm feeling very good. I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling very good now. I think, um, it took a lot longer to come back than what I would, uh, like I said, I, I thought it was just going to be like a week or two uh, that was going to be out. Obviously, it was a lot longer, but it, it feels, feels very good going back. And I feel, I do feel like I'm in the best shape that I've ever been. Um, but like you said, this has not been any live competitions. I have no clue where any of the other people are. Uh, it's only the ones that I've competed at um, against in, in, in the German. Uh, but I think going live is very different to going uh, online as well. So. No, I'm very excited to be able to, uh, you know, just showcase what I can do and then have, you know, like a number um, that kind of represents what I can do as an athlete. Well, and for a minute there, it looked, it looked rough as to getting into the States. Yes. <laughs> um, which has all been resolved. And we're so glad that that's happening, um, that the United States did grant an exception for all athletes to be able to come in. Uh, how relieved when you, were you when you heard that? So we actually were uh, minutes away from booking tickets to Aruba. So we were going to go to Aruba for two weeks, do our games training in Aruba and then go into games. So first I was a bit, um, you know, frustrated that we had to go through this, like find somewhere, where should we go when like there's a lot more planning. But then once you've kind of, I got to like, I kind of sat my mind of like, okay, we're going to go to Aruba, you know, it's going to be amazing. It looks like a really cool place. We're going to have a really cool games camp. So I just changed my mindset and was prepared to go there. And then, you know, this is the way we have to go to games. It's the way we can make it into the state. So there's no other choice. But then literally on, we had everything ready. We had agreed to meet up and book the tickets on Thursday. I wake up, check my email and I got basically confirmation from CrossFit that uh, we got the, the exemption to fly in. So <laughs> that was obviously felt like very relieving in the sense that you know we have we run a gym here as well and it's just for the finances uh as, as well that so you have to one you have to be gone from like the business here for so long and then just the financial uh pressure of being gone for then two weeks in the Aruba because it's not you know it's not cheap there either yeah, uh so no what are the, <laughs> no, what are the logistics to get you here can you explain like how much does it cost? What do you actually have to do? How soon are you coming? Where do you stay? Where do you train? Uh, so we're flying on Sunday. Uh, I had my PCR test today. So you need to show a negative PCR test. So let's just like hope that comes back negative. Uh, I've just okay. read a lot about people that get like false tests and stuff. So I'm just a bit, uh, just freak out. Uh, so you need the PCR test. Now with the letter from CrossFit, um, in theory, I should be able to fly directly to the States. We book tickets now that goes direct Madrid no yeah Madrid to Chicago um but I think it's going to cost me probably like six grand in total uh things in the states are we managed to find a car for like uh, one grand uh, eventually but like from the airport everything was like three grand for 10 days uh, Airbnbs around in the in Wisconsin are like crazy expensive <laughs> Uh, so we, we did get a bit of like wow um so it's going to be an expensive trip um yeah for are sure are you going to stay in chicago for a bit or are you going right to madison no we're going to ply ply plymouth 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 yeah plymouth. <laughs> yeah uh, so in wisconsin so that's a bit outside of chicago like an hour away from madison or something i think because okay. uh, we that's where we found like yeah decent airbnb and a gym and it's also quite nice to stay not in Madison because there's so many athletes and it can, it tends to get quite hard to be able to train as well when there's so many competitors in one gym. Uh, so we chose to go a bit outside for 10 days and then we're going into Madison on the Sunday and then registration on Monday. Are there any complications of you going back to Spain? Uh, no, I just need a PCR testing and going in. Okay, so that's the good. thing. So that, but then if you, uh, so if I were to go to Norway, for example, I have, uh, haven't actually been to Norway now for a year and a half uh, because you have to quarantine uh, there for 10 days uh, in like a quarantine hotel before you can do anything else. So that's just out of the question. However, now with the vaccine, you can actually go in without quarantine. So I, I am a vaccinator now as well. So this, this is like the logistical things that you need to sort out, like 
being getting the vaccine in time so that you're vaccinated before you go to the states uh you know just sorting the pcr tests and things like that yeah one of the reasons i wanted to have you on is um i was on your instagram you had made the post does anybody know any good gyms in the caribbean or mexico yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you were trying to find that other way into the states yeah and talk to you about that but thank goodness in the time we we scheduled this they got that resolved yeah it's very good we were i think the, the worst part about that was kind of like the not knowing so crossby kept saying like they they seemed quite confident that they were going to get it but at the same time it's like it's on your risk we can't promise it so we were like what are we supposed to do and it gets to a point where since you have to stay there for two weeks you know you have to leave uh, and we then set that day to be on thursday so we were like if we don't know about thursday we're going to book it and we're going to leave on the sunday uh, and then basically the day we said like, like this is our kind of dead this is where if we don't know anything we have to organize stuff we actually got it on that day so quite lucky in that sense but i think that was the, the main kind of um frustrating thing that it let let us um everything now has been planned so last minute because we didn't know uh, kind of what we were going to end up doing awesome mm. well those are all the questions we have for you so we're going to flip it over to the rapid fire uh and okay cat and charlie are going to take that so i'm going to turn it over to them yeah i think i know the answer to this but other than a horse what would you consider yeah. to be your favorite animal dog yeah same. <laughs> good yeah. answer <laughs> so that was quick as well yeah. <laughs> what was your uh, favorite sanctional? Iceland. Do you have um, uh, any good stories from when you were a teacher? Ooh. Um, well, I think so. Well, there's a few a couple, but I um, I had like an evening class that I taught once once a week. So that was um, like basically grown ups. One of them kind of like to, to be able to attend that class you have to be 26 or older that was one of the rules and I was teaching them being 24 I think that was quite fun <laughs> so uh and actually also um I remember walking in and you know when you snatch and you're keeping the bar close and you, you you it just goes wrong so I got to class and I had like it just looked like a unicorn uh and basically none of my kids obviously knew what a snatch was so the class ended up being uh, teaching them what a snatch was and well with uh, instead showing YouTube videos of what I did to get yeah end up looking like a unicorn <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so if you could design a workout that you would mm. win at the games what movements would mm. be in it there would be ring muscle ups I would probably add in some pistol squats uh, yeah ring muscle pistol squats and maybe like yeah uh, Short-ish run. Hmm. You heard, <laughs> no you saying heard about, I would actually win. You yeah. heard about the muscle-ups that are happening with the pig event, right? Yeah, yes. But I'm, I, I always them? have to flip that pig um, before I get to muscle-ups. <laughs> I think that's a tweak. Uh, it's, a, it's a sneaky one because they're going to fry the bicep. So really going to fry our biceps and then we're going to do 42 muscle-ups. They did not specify if it was rings or bar. Uh, so I'm kind of thinking it's bar because it's quite brutal if it's rings, but you never know. We shall see. <laughs> yeah. Do you have something to practice with for that? A, a tire. We don't have the pig. We got a tire. So we did a lot of tire flips today. Okay. Um, what is the best thing about living in Spain? The weather, I would say. Also gets very hot. So right now it's a bit too hot, but uh, uh, 10 out of 12 months a year, I would say it's the, it's the weather. That's yeah, Mallorca is kind of a tourist attraction, isn't it? Yes. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a very nice island. If you travel around, you actually go to the beach. <laughs> uh, coffee or pre-workout? Oh, I'd say coffee. It depends. In the morning, coffee. In the evening, pre-workout. I'm not allowed to give two answers, am I? <laughs> <laughs> Scott, our, Scott our, does it all the time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what is what is your idea of a perfect night out? Perfect night out. Like partying. Or, or a just, date night. Yeah. Uh, I, I I like spending time in nature. So like uh, being somewhere like if it's in a restaurant as well, but just with a nice view um, and eating good food. I like trying uh, different food. 
So if there's uh, this nice restaurant with good view uh, and you can kind of have like a bit of like a tapas um, where you taste a lot of different things, that's probably what I would enjoy the most. Mm. All right. So other than the games, is there anything else you're excited about seeing in the States? Seeing in the States. Uh, so I'm not going to see a lot in the States. I'm going to have to go to home again. Uh, or do. doing anything. I guess you won't be doing anything either. <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm quite excited to um, to go into games training, to leave kind of all the responsibilities at home and just focus on games training. So I'm actually looking forward to the training in the games, um, not in the games, in the States, uh, because it's going to be easy to just focus on it and kind of have fun, try to have fun during the, the games prep. Yeah, you mentioned we're live. Go ahead. Yeah. No, we're going to, the, the Airbnb is just right next to a lake and it was, with kayaks and everything close close by, so we can do a lot of cool uh, kind of outdoor stuff where we're going to live. So I'm quite excited about that. Cool. Are you going to be staying at a different place than you did in 19 when you came to the states? Is Plymouth uh, yes. a new yeah. location for you? Yes. Last year we stayed. Not last year. In 2019 we stayed just in the suburbs of uh, Chicago. Uh, we didn't manage to find like a nice Airbnb uh, in that area now, so we went a bit further away. Okay. Um, what is your favorite way to recover? Sleep. <laughs> if that doesn't count, then it's just like having a nice massage. Because uh, that's also an hour where you, uh, it forces you to relax and not think about anything. Well, you can still think about anything else, but I'm quite good at like uh, uh, checking out. So sleep, I think is the, the, the most important thing. But then next to that, I would say like a good sports massage. Are you a good sleeper? Yes. <laughs> I think that's what are you getting? Um, I'm aiming for 10, uh, but I get somewhere never less than nine. Yeah, uh, depends a bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, I wouldn't be able to train as much if I didn't sleep, uh, have to sleep, then I would have to uh, reduce my, my training. Mm. So, um, assuming you're obviously you're probably doing well with your nutrition after the games, are you going? What's your first meal or beverage going to be? So I'm actually looking forward to not having to eat so much, not having the pressure of always having to eating, always having to eat enough. Uh, but I do think I'm probably going to have like a couple of glasses of like champagne and probably just enjoy a bit. Uh, but I'm not, I'm actually looking forward to not having to eat that much and then being able to take a glass of wine and champagne, uh, not feeling guilty. <laughs> just drink that champagne on the podium. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be nice to have something to celebrate for sure. Yeah. yeah just making it through the season as well. Uh, making it like surviving 2020. That's, uh, yeah. that's reason enough to celebrate, if you ask me. Well, those are our questions, Jacqueline. And we are so excited that you joined us. Um, and thank you so much and good luck in Wisconsin. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, thank you. We'll see you there. Yeah, you gonna, guys are going to be there. We will be. Cool. Cool. See you then. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends in partnership with the Morning Chalk Up. Please consider giving us a five-star rating and leaving us a review. It really helps our podcast. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.